Hello, friends, we're back again. This is a little more of a formal introduction to a show that normally is not going to be as much of a formal introduction to a show. It's Grappy Hour. We're going to sit here. We're going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about the graps. I got my friend Lily here. We're going to have a drink. We're going to hang out every Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern here at youtube.com slash overbooked. And we're going to talk about wrestling because that's what we do best. Lily, how are you? I am exhausted because I had uh, some friends over last night for GCW, of course, but uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uh, not rested, but happy. Oh, I hear you. Dude, that show was so much fun. I I, I don't know about you, but like I sat there, uh, we did the watch along on, on, on Twitch, and I think we all just kind of agreed like the show was fun for what it was. It was just like a big party GCW style. It was different than a regular GCW show, but like everything had a had its moment for good for better or for worse because it really depends like i think for older gcw fans they didn't really enjoy it nearly as much as maybe newer fans uh what do you think like overall what was your impression coming out of the show well the first thing as someone who's been watching gcw for a while was i wonder if there was no light tubes because of the venue Um, Like because of safety precautions, because it was at such a historic and big venue, I think that to your point, some of the more old school GCW fans were expecting some spooky dust and some blood and guts kind of stuff. But um, I think they might not have been allowed to at that venue. But um, another thing that was kind of unique about it is I watch wrestling, all different types of promotions all week. And usually I'm on my phone and I'm live tweeting, but I was so kind of like taken aback by how unique it was that I wasn't even live tweeting I was just so in it um and that's really rare like even like especially when you're watching things that are very long and drawn out like your Wrestle Kingdoms like your WWEs it can it can get a little tedious uh but the world on GCW is just consistent banger after banger spot fest after spot fest it was it was good it was great uh it's funny like going back to the to the venue they definitely, yeah, they couldn't do the light tubes, couldn't do the spooky dust. Um, it definitely felt like it was between the venue and also uh, NISAC, the uh, the commission, because a bunch of people who would normally be on a GCW show weren't on the show. And it was mostly because of age, right? You had Billy Starks, who's under the age of 18. You've got, uh, who else was there? Um, there are a couple of other underage performers that, that are normally on a GCW event. They couldn't be there because of NISAC. And that, I think, kind of, dampen the gcw vibe a little bit too there was what it, is nice can thing. you like can you tell me like a little bit more about that it's the new york state athletic commission so oh. yeah most wrestling events have to go through some sort of commission and mma as well but honestly because wrestling is not mma like it's different most athletic commissions are like pretty chill when it comes to wrestling as far as i understand it but when you get to NYSAC, when you get to new york they're a little <laughs> more heavily involved in like what wrestling should do when they're putting on shows in New York. Uh, so as for, there's things like bleeding is another one. So like any blood that was on the show last night, like it was accidental or at least it, it, it should have been accidental because otherwise NYSAC, if they find out that you planned on say Nick Gage comes out and uses a pizza cutter and someone bleeds that that's, that was planned. That shouldn't have been there. They would have been fined. It would have been a big problem, but because someone like Matt Cardona gets sliced in the hand or, broke his nose, whatever it was, that's accidental. You can't stop that stuff. So like NYSAC would have come down on them harder if they had bled, uh, like they planned to bleed. And it's funny, um, as the night kind of progressed, I noticed that Matt Cardona's blood was just just chilling on uh, 
on the very not safely padded ground. I was shocked at um, not where the pads were positioned, but how thin they were. Because if you're taking a dive from the top rope or even from the apron, that's just right onto concrete. So kudos to everyone that was taking those bumps last night. Dude, every GCW show I've seen, there has never been any padding on the floor. Last night to but me, at least in like, a bingo hall, it's not concrete. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm sitting there. I remember going to emo fight uh, uh, the same weekend as AEW Grand Slam, and they did it at the Melrose Ballroom in Queens. And I was like, there is no, like, there's no padding on the floor. And I was sitting pretty close to the ring. I was like, this is kind of dangerous. But again, that's what they're used to. They know how to do it. So that, I was surprised to see any gym mats of any sort last night. I was like, oh, okay, sure, why not? But you're right. Like they were tiny. <laughs> They were like super like, short, like like this. Like it was it was crazy, <laughs> and especially during the Cardona Janela kind of messy. I don't even know what that was match in the middle. I thought that um, something went terribly wrong at a certain point. Like when Matt was kind of just lying down, um, doing his like rest moment. I thought that they were trying to maybe end the match and bring someone else in because he like really f-ed up his nose, but. Um, uh, that was the only kind of moment of the show where I was like, what the hell is going on? Dude, how messed up was that match? Like, what was going on? <laughs> it was, I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm going to rewatch it for sure today, but I have no idea. Like, what kind I, of match even was it? So I joked about it being a love letter to 2010 WWE. It was overbooked nonsense. And it was also kind of ECW-ish in the way because, like, you had Cardona came out doing the, the Sandman ECW entrance, but he was dressed up. Uh, you know, wearing the McFoley flannel with the F McFoley on the back. And then you had Chelsea coming out wearing the Zack Ryder, uh, like one tight, one long pants. And she the was Chelsea stroking. 469 gear is everything, though. It, isn't it great? Oh, it's God, awesome. it's ridiculous. You, you had him like you had um, Cardona spitting beer in Mitten's face. And that alone was just obnoxious because people are like, hey, still a pandemic. And B, uh, this, the, the, just the visual is very ECW-esque. Uh, and there was another thing. Oh, Chelsea with the um, with the cane, with the kendo stick. And that was very much, again, a very Sandman, ECW style entrance. Um, and then Janela comes out and, and he's got his pop and they just kind of go for it. But there's a lot of shenanigans going on with this match, right? It's kind of nuts. Who showed up? Uh, Hornswoggle shows up, which did not expect. And then the major brother. You had... Uh, Brian Myers show up and they did the ECW, the WWE one night stand 2006 finish. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm not, but I like the whole like small versus the giant kind of storytelling they had going on. I just found it kind of too like segmented. I didn't know what was kind of going on and it felt like three different matches in one. Yes. It was a very strange and to your point overbooked match. Um, but I did like, uh, rushing to Twitter as soon as that shot of the McFoley uh, vest came up because he apparently is going to make a statement about that today. So I'm very curious to see uh, Mick's thoughts. They got to be working into something. I know that Foley can't necessarily wrestle, but they can definitely do something and maybe uh, do donations for charity. I think that'd be kind of cool. Oh, for uh, sure. Like the match itself is fine. It's, It's overbooked nonsense. They had Virgil show up in a Vince McMahon mask and and Mark Sterling showed up. So this entire thing was a mix of this whole like WWE booking this one night stand. By the way, the, the story was the guy in all black, Brian Myers, uh, he used to be an edgehead back in the 2010s with Matt Cardona. 
and they flanked Edge to the ring. So they were his like his hustle, his baddies. And so in 2006, there was an ECW WWE show where during a match, this guy in all black wearing a big uh, uh, motorcycle helmet comes and spears somebody, spears the opponent through a table. And then they take off the helmet and it's Edge. So for Brian Myers to be the guy to take off the helmet and he was one of the edge heads, it was a nice little callback to both ECW and Myers being an edge head. And he teamed with Cardona. And it was like this nice little moment that if you knew, you knew. Uh, but yeah, who else? Like Marco Stunt showed up, a GCW guy himself and an AEW guy. Uh, Janelle, of course, an AEW guy. And uh, yeah, just a whole lot of shit. It was it Virgil, was Virgil as Vince McMahon in a Ronald Reagan mask was quite yes. the cameo for sure. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what was they were X-Pac trying to do. There too? Yes. So after the yeah. match, he shows yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? I, I marked out so hard for that though. Like, I can't lie. I wasn't shocked to see him because like he did the um the indie wrestling hall of fame the night before. So like he was in town, mm-hmm. he was on screen, like it was good. And also, like, come on, they're gonna bring him in for the real rumble. They have to. They have to give him a spot in the Rumble. Uh, but he looked good, man. X-Pac looks good, and uh, he he saves the day at the end, fights off Cardona, stands tall with Janela. They do the crotch chop, the DX. The music hits. It's Run DMC. It's so good. I I think the match was, was not great in terms of a GCW match, but I think in terms of an indie match, it was so much fun. One thing I also noticed, and this kind of took away from, I think, especially that match, but every every single uh, match at the World on GCW was that because the ring and because the venue was um, such a literal square and then they had the stage behind it, the showrunners kind of didn't know what the f*** was going on, nor did the talent. So when you're getting in and out of the ring, no one really knew kind of like where their spots were or where to go after. So it kind of created yeah. this kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like when you're on Zoom and you don't know when to talk kind of moment. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. And I used to work in like event production. So I'm always looking at weird things going on, like in the background, but I, I definitely noticed that. And I think that um, because this was our first biggest show, they're kind of still figuring things out. Yeah. You, I don't know if you noticed, but like they, they had the ladder match right early in the night and afterwards. So AJ Gray wins this big ladder match with the brass ring and all that. And we could talk about the match itself, but like after the match, they're trying to clean up all the ladders. And they're getting confused as to which way they should go because they have to go through the sides of the crowd to exit, right? And I don't think they understood which side to go on. or Like, maybe they didn't have it plotted out properly because they had to get to the back, but they couldn't go up the stairs and through the entranceway. They just had to, like, figure out what the hell, you know, how to do My it. My dog is uh, trying to say hello. Do you want to say hello to everyone? <laughs> hey, this is Cooper. He's from Texas. Hey, so Cooper. I don't know what wrestler he would be from Texas, but... He could be Lance Archer. I don't know. He's not big enough to be Lance Archer, but we do That's like true. Lance Archer in this house. Are you a murder hawk? Yeah, you're a murder hawk. <laughs> That's the best running I've had in weeks. <laughs> He's oh. good. He's a good. Uh, I should put him on cameo. Actually, he can maybe make some money. Oh, totally. He'll he'll make. MJF cost six hundred dollars on cameo. Seriously. Yeah, I mean it's a work, obviously, but six hundred dollars for personal use, and then for business use, it's almost two thousand. Dude, I had no idea that Cameo had went to like a personal and business use. Like, I think it's smart business, but I, I saw it and I was like, of course, anything to make a buck. <laughs> Everything's uh, monetized, including jars of farts these days. So I mean, yes. Although that isn't that woman like 
on her deathbed or something or super no sick? she went to the hospital because i think she like farted so much she had some kind of like gastrointestinal issue so. <laughs> prayers up for uh jar fart girl jar fart girl dude this is what you're gonna get in crappy hour we ain't talking nothing but nonsense <laughs> uh, it's the opposite of the cornet show <laughs> Oh, it's better than that. It's yeah. more easily going to be better than that. Uh, okay, so so Janela loses, Cardona wins. Jared and Effie. Now, first of all, are you an Effie fan? I'm a huge Effie fan. I'm here for anyone who's like unapologetic about themselves. I don't care. Love and it. I had um, two guys over who are very, very straight. So they and they had never seen Effie before. So I kind of gave them like the rundown um and they were both into it like all the moves like humping his face and twerking on his face and taking that you know iconic guitar shot like a champ although yeah. he did i think get caught by the wires on his bridge of his nose um i mean effie is definitely not for everyone he's not in a he's not a great wrestler like there's no there's no denying that but because he brings such a great character and charisma and because he puts so many people over including himself uh, <laughs> yeah. it makes him very it makes him very likable at least yeah. at least for me no and I, I love the bossy stuff I love like him just being like you I'm queer like I, I love that about him he's he is like super unapologetically gay and super unapologetic unapologetically himself and I think like that gets people going like people are into that myself included like I I identify as a straight guy and I love Effie like, I absolutely love everything that he does and stands for. And I think he's, like, super great. And I love that he he's he's putting these, like, weird little kinks into his match now. Where, like, anytime he gets strangled or, like, they, they put a rope around his neck or whatever. Daddy he's, likes it. Look, yeah, daddy likes it. It's the best. It's just the, the most, like, absurd shit you can think of that makes you pop. I'm into it. Uh, and, like, him no-selling the guitar shot, that was one thing to me. But then getting the stroke... Dude, I was, I loved that spot. That finish was so cool. Just, yeah. And, so and everyone had their moment, right? Like you knew Ali wasn't going to go over. You knew Effie wasn't going to go over, but it was still such an amazing moment for them. Um, it, it kind of bugged me though, that like none of the GCW people, like the guys and girls, none of them went over. All the, all the outsiders did. And I think to some people that kind of chuffed them a bit, but I guess now it's whether or not they you know, bring these people back, have other matches. Janela was on a winning streak in GCW going into the match. This was his first loss in a while. If, if wins and losses really matter in GCW. Right. Um, and everyone got worked with um, Nick Gage too. Right. Dude, so that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. What That tag match, like just kind of happened. It was in and out real quick because of the, uh, the pay-per-view times. It, it, it ended very abruptly. Like I, I, I was like, "Where? Like, what's going on?" And then I realized, "Oh, like they can't do all these crazy like light tube spots in here because the venue." Um, but I mean, it was good to see him. But if that was your first GCW show that you watched, um, you weren't getting like the full picture, in my opinion. And I can understand why like GCW diehards are like pissed off, like for a number of reasons. But it's it's a pay-per-view it has to be more accessible there's rules there's, there's regulations especially in new york city so um it is what it is and i think overall it was it was worth every every penny yeah i just didn't expect that match to be the main i think once we realized the briscoes were doing the main event it, people yeah people were like oh it's ftr it's ftr i personally don't think that match is going to happen in gcw i think it'll be a ring of honor match 
not mm. an AEW match. I think it's going to be. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I think it's a super card in April Ring of Honor match. Um, but instead, Matt Tremont comes out. And I think people who don't watch GCW normally were probably like, who the hell is this guy and why is he in the main event? But then Gage coming out, like that kind of saved it for everyone. It was, no one expected him to come out. Everyone was kind of like, where's Gage? Where's Gage? Because all night, you know, rumors. And he was in all the bumpers and all the promos and stuff too. So yeah, it felt weird. Uh, And then they had to jump to the ending, to the finish where they did the ECW one night stand 2005 finish where everyone comes out, they have a beer, they test the crowd and they say goodnight. Like it was just, it was just there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. In terms of production, though, I mean, if you've been watching GCW for the past however many months or years, they really stepped their shit up in terms of angles, in terms of setup, in terms of the ring, in terms of uh, commentary, in terms of even like a meal on the mic. Um, Everyone did a great job. But I mean, as someone who used to produce, you know, small indie shows to big kind of EDM raves, when everything is moving and happening shit happens and i mean we saw that in AEW a couple of weeks ago when ray fenix uh dislocated his arm and they just had to kind of abruptly change all the bookings and um when you're watching it televised or on ppv it's one thing but it was actually interesting to like hear what people at the show were saying no one even really noticed so it's it's a lot different if you're there versus watching it and i had a couple of friends from pittsburgh that drove there for the show and they said it was it was just a party man it was just uh like a four-hour party when they when they were promoting it on the pre-show they were like oh it's going to be three and a half four hours and i'm like the show's going to end at midnight like i was so confused yeah it turned out then they had the heart out at 11 so i guess they were talking with the pre-show but like everyone i spoke to who went they were like it's a big party everyone's excited they're just having a good time like the matches were almost secondary. They're just kind of there and it was fun. Like mm-hmm. I enjoyed myself watching it. But um, if you're like a diehard GCW fan, I maybe didn't have the best time because in the GCW world, this wasn't their best event, but like in the professional wrestling coming out party world, this was their biggest night. And like, I think, I think it was good. Like I, I had fun during various moments of the show. Like I'm not walking out being like this sucked. Well, it almost feels like now there's two types of GCW, right? You have your big PPV, huge megastar shows like Hammerstein. um, And then you have your kind of bingo halls like in Atlantic City and stuff, right? So I think that those are two kind of different products, just like every other promotion has like, you know, NXT and SmackDown and your PPVs or AEW has Rampage and Dynamite and your PPVs. GCW is growing. And I think that, you know, right now it's at a place where, um, it has a lot of clout. It has a lot of big names in it. And um, people are going to, you know, maybe be turned off by some of those changes because people might think that it's a little bit more mainstream or that they're selling out, yada, yada. And I do I do understand that as someone who kind of wants to keep it to its original vibe, energy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it's it's good to grow. And I think that even the conversations I had, you know, Lauderdale came out. And I thought that his promo or his speech was quite good. And he's like, you know, we're going to make some like gay fucking wrestling and all this and that. And uh, I was kind of like, hmm, like aren't the Briscoes like super homophobic? And uh, I kind of looked into it and the Briscoes, they lived in like literal trailer park middle of nowhere. And they apparently were quite homophobic and they went and got some like education about it. And I think that, you know, there are some people in the industry that do and say shitty things and you can grow and you can change. And I think, uh, you know, the Briscoes don't really seem like people that I necessarily want to hang out with, but the fact that they 
gave enough of a shit to be like, you know what? I said some really horrible things in the past and I'm going to change them. I think that's cool. And I think that as a promotion, uh, GCW is quite inclusive, actually. Yeah, they are. They're definitely a space where you'll see a lot of different people. Uh, You'll see everyone's there and everyone's welcome and everyone is kind of just there to party. Like my experiences at GCW have always been positive. I've seen literally one time where I've seen uh, two people get into a fight at GCW. It was a camera guy and it was someone who was like filming for Effie or was like part of Effie's crew. And they just, they got into it because the guy kept going past the guardrail to take photos. And the guy who was actually, here's another thing with GCW, they're smaller shows. They hired, or at least they used to hire like these big burly dudes to both take photos and act as security at ringside. It was really funny to watch these like big bulky guys with like these little, not point and shoot cameras, but like they would have SLRs, but like they were being, they were being photographers while they were trying to like man the ring and make sure no one came in. So anyway, they had this big burly G taking photos and like this other guy just kept trying to get in and pass the guardrail. And the camera guy kept pushing them away, being like, stop it. You're getting in my shot. You're not supposed to be there. That's like the worst I've ever seen. They they didn't come to blows, but it got heated. Other than that, every GCW show I've ever watched, ever seen, it's like super welcoming and inclusive. No one's a shithead. And if they are, they get them out there right quick. It's well, it kind of has like a, like a punk and metal show vibe where it's very yeah. self-policing, where I've, I, I know a couple of people in LA and they say that there's this kind of group of LA metal punk dudes that show up and they're always drunk and they... You know, one time they grabbed Dark Sheik and they've they've just done really shitty things, but they got tossed out. Like people self-police and self-govern wrestling, um, at least at GCW. So I, I like that aspect too. And and me me and my man have this rule where in the world, I think there's like a one in ten asshole rule. You know what I mean? There's always gonna be that one person out of ten who's just gonna be an asshole anyway. So Yeah, it's true. Well, um, I don't know, the the show the show was really cool. Uh, Ruby Soho and Catch and I Catch. I think that was a good match. Uh, I was a little nervous coming into it because I I was expecting a lot out of it just because I know how both of these women work, and I think I was pretty pretty happy with the with the outcome. Uh, I kind of wanted Ali Catch to go over because again GCW original, but I don't know. What do you think? Ruby Soho and Catch just a good back and forth until you know until they got to a detonation kick off top rope. Yeah, I mean, it was good technical wrestling. I liked the match. I thought that um, the booking was great, but where they slotted it in the night was kind of strange. It was kind of like a lull, and then it happened out of nowhere. I think that, you know, both those women have a lot of hype behind them for a number of reasons, and um, it just felt like a little off in terms of, like, where it was paced in the whole program of the night. Um, But overall, I liked it. I loved Ali Couch doing the Lady Gaga look. Um, I love that she has new gear. I love that she got her hair done. She looked awesome. But yeah, I think that she should have went over as well. But this also creates possible future storylines for Allie as well. So, Shout out to Sway Archer, by the way. Canadian wrestler did Allie's gear for this show. No way. Yeah. I've been I've been waiting and dying for Allie to get new gear because she's been rocking like the same gear for a while. And she's so beautiful and she's so talented. And I'm like, you need better gear, please. She got it. And it looked good. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you're right. I didn't think about the pacing. Like I'm looking at the match card. This went on after Cardona and Janela, where so much happened that people were like just either confused or tuned out, looking for a break. And so this became the match there. And then after that was Jarrett and Effie, where again there was like such a weird vibe about this match. So 
yeah, I hear you. It was it was strange pacing. There was a lot of weird stuff. Um, Gresham not on the card in the end. He had to pull out because of uh, COVID restrictions. Apparently, mm-hmm. his wife uh, Jordan Grace has contracted COVID. She's fine, but like Gresham wanted to be safe, so they ended up doing uh, Blake Christian coming out coming out and being like, "Hey, I've had great matches in GCW. I picked my opponent, and Leo Rush comes out." I was that was an amazing it. match. Yes. They went absolutely ham. Probably one of the probably the match of the night, to be honest. I I would agree with that, honestly, because I I feel that Leo Rush as a free agent just looks and feels better. He yeah. he just seems like a performer and a wrestler that just does better on his own. And also back to gear again. Love Leo Rush, not hating on Leo Rush, but I could not stand that Mighty Morphin Power Ranger shit he was wearing on AEW. And he looked just absolutely unfucking real last night. It was nice to see his tattoos. He's ripped and he just looked awesome. And he he performed like uh and like an anime character. Like it was insane. Yeah. I we we made a joke on the watch along that uh his gear looked like something his kids just kind of drew up and he decided to have it made and like it looked good it was just like a bunch of random shapes and like circular shapes and stuff uh but overall like the match itself dude they just they went ham I, there was a tombstone pile driver on the floor that popped me big uh, on concrete yeah i was like oh shit why would you do that uh they kept going out and they kept doing topes out of the ring like i felt bad for anyone in the first row because, like, they just kept getting their knees knocked. Like, you you have no knees after a GCW show if people keep jumping out like that. Well, I'm confused about, um, like, ticketing, too, because I'm pretty sure it was GA only. So I don't know if there was assigned seats or, like, once you're in, you could kind of just go wherever the fuck you wanted. No, they, for this show, they had regular, like, they had actual seating. And then they, I think they did a GA section, maybe. Oh, okay. but, like, everything else, everything else was, was ticketed and assigned seating. Did you notice the girl front row just as Cammy? Yes, that was pointed out a bunch of times on the watch along. I it took a couple of moments, but I found the photos of her and I saw her in the crowd. That was awesome. Amazing cosplay. I was blown yeah. away as well. The woman from Ring of Honor, I forget her name now, but she was doing timekeeping. Amy and Rose. Woo! What a distraction. What a distraction indeed. What a gig to get for a night too, right? Yeah. You want to come literally just sitting there looking hot. hot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, good for Amy Rose. That was uh that was cool to see. Um, and Blake Christian getting the win in that match, by the way, I think that was the right, uh, that was the right. I didn't know he was like, I didn't know much about him until that match. And I was just like this the whole time. I was like, (gasps) like gooped. Like I was gooped. Him and Alex Zane have had a bunch of matches in GCW lately that have been really good. Tony Deppin is my new dude. Dude. I fucking love Tony Deppin so much. So like that ladder match with Deppin and Gray and G-Raver, PCO and Alex Cologne and Jimmy Lloyd, like that was a great way to open the match, open the night. And like of all the people in that match, Deppin was like the least there, which I was like shocked. But other than that, Deppin is awesome. Uh, Last week, did you see Deppin and Speedball in Chicago? Yeah, I was like screaming and jumping up from my couch. It's insane. So good. Dude, if you you haven't seen the match, go see it. I'm telling that to to our, our... watching audience right now uh that was such a good good match um and yeah like other than that i mean we'll get to the mock stuff in a sec but like gringo loco and flamita and arez oh my god the lucha tag was insane scott leash took this one photo and uh, who was it that went so high that he was almost out of frame like he was flying so high that he was out of frame It, it was insane and usually 
Um, GCW loves their messy scrambles. Yep. And I usually am like, oh, God, here we go, another scramble. But they were actually really fucking good last night. They the Lucha had... Tag and the ladder match I thought were both awesome. The Lucha Tag had a bunch of, like, blown spots, but they kind of recovered quickly enough that it wasn't yeah. so bad. Like, the, the GCW Lucha is messy at times and i think people are just kind of forgiving of that which is cool if you're there and you're expecting like oh my god it's underground. so yeah. i'm like here for it yeah exactly so i i love the finish they definitely had to move something around because gringo local yeah. gets the win right but like there was that weird like top rope move that got all messed up and then gringo logo just what is he hits at a, a sit-up pile driver and gets the win like good stuff it was just a fun match they and who fell off trailer. the ladder someone AJ. fell off the ladder Oh, that was fucked, man. Like, what a wild botch. What Dude, a wild botch. I saw the referee holding the ladder. I didn't realize that AJ's ladder was outside of the ring, right? So, like, I'm watching the, the referee holding the ladder from the bottom, but he's holding the, the ladder that's in the ring. And I'm wondering, what the hell is this for? And then all of a sudden, I see him. I see AJ Gray try to make the leap. I'm like, he's not making this. And he just eats shit. I'm, luckily, he's okay. But like, yeah, yeah. His knees just like completely gave out. Like there was like one moment where like something moved and he's like, Well, I'm about to eat shit. And he actually landed it like it was a total botch, but he landed it safely so he didn't like fuck up his body, which is great. Yeah. Can we swear what. on this channel? Uh, we just did. We'll okay. we'll limit it in the future. Okay. <laughs> I'll start adding beeps. <laughs> I'm down with beeps. Beeps are hilarious. There's uh there's like this this soundboard that you can buy and it has its own sensor button that you can hit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. look into that. I don't. I don't. But like, I'm gonna start buying them for people who need them. <laughs> That's a good segue, though. I'm um, swearing because Moxley got the first f bomb. Hell yeah! On AEW, so congrats to John Moxley for not Ooh. only being back and looking amazing, but also dropping the first f bomb on network TV. Dude, this was the week of Mox. He came back on Wednesday, and like he had Thursday off, probably hung out with his wife and kid. And then Friday had a match on Rampage. Saturday drove out to Poughkeepsie, New York and worked a, an indie show out there in NEW and then worked the GCW show at uh, Hammerstein. So Mox and Homicide. I thought Homicide was going to win the GCW title. I did. So did I, yeah. I thought Mox was going to move on and like be done and be like, hey, GCW was fun, but it's time to like refocus. But no, he, he had a pretty good match with Homicide. Again, Homicide is like he's older. He's... Still trying to do all the hits and still do everything that like hurts, <laughs> but Moxley very handily beats Homicide in the match. Well, Homicide reminds me of like all these kind of old school dudes that I used to box with and like more grimy boxing classes, and I love that kind of mentality. Um, and now Moxley is kind of even more magnified version of himself, which I like. And, you know, being out of the ring for three months, you got to get your sea legs back. You got to get rid of that ring rust. So I actually totally get why Moxley is like, fuck it. I'm just going to do everything I can so I can kind of like get back in there like a yeah. little bit quicker and kind of, you know, f like feel things out. Also, he's lost about like 30 to 35 pounds. So when you lose that much weight, and you get back in the ring, it's a lot different, right? So yeah. good for him for, um, you know, like putting on a good show. Obviously, he's not going to be like peak fucking Moxley right off the bat, but uh, awesome. Awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. And fuck Bully Ray. <laughs> Dude, they were nuts. I loved it. Dude, yeah. those chants are perfect. Uh, yeah, Mox retains the GCW title. I don't know where they go next. I just, I don't know. I mean, Mox and AJ Gray sounds like a fun match. I'd be yeah. to see that. And 
winning the, the, the brass ring means that AJ Gray gets a GCW world title match. So why not? Moxley would Cardona ever do a program with Moxley? I'm sure he would. Anything yeah. to get money. Yeah. <laughs> with, with how he is in that promotion, I think that'd be fun for those two. Um, yeah, it's funny yeah. listening to Car- listening to Cardona talk because he always talks about how like officially he works for like his own licensed media company, and I'm just like, oh my god, you're yeah. like every YouTube bro I love but hate, and you know people can talk shit on Cardona all they want, but he's just such a good shit heel, you know. He he found a way with this GCW show. He found a way to get everyone who works with him or or, or in his circle get them paid because like everyone yeah. on that show he was part everyone of the Major over. Brothers Wrestling Show. It was all there. Good and I'll probably get shit on on Twitter for saying this, but I don't really care. I think that Cardona is one of the main reasons why GCW is very over right now, too. I agree. I, I don't think it's a hot take these days because they see how Cardona works and the way that he brings attention to himself and whatever he's working on. He's an excellent heel. He and Chelsea. Yeah. Like people are people aren't sick of Cardona the human. They're sick of Cardona the heel, the character. Yeah. And I think and that's, that's what, and he's doing his job. Like, you yeah, know, that's, that's what, what you're supposed to do. do. So, it's yeah. so good. Now, if you, if, if you still have a personal problem with Cardona or Chelsea Green, you, you're getting worked and you got to just get over it. <laughs> that's you can't work yourself into a shoot, brother. You can't do yeah, it. don't work yourself into a shoot. Uh, so, so this guy at Dynamite works himself into a shoot, yells at Mox, Mox drops an F-bomb. And, then Mox goes out and has like the best promo oh. anyone can cut. Like talking about drinking blood, talking about slaying demons. Uh, what do you think? Like, was this, was this impactful for you? Like, what do you think of the, the Mox promos? Well, I cried like, not like sobbed, but like I had like a good, like few tears streaming down my face um, for a number of reasons. One is just amazing to see him back. Like AEW without Moxley and Kenny, it's just, it's just weird. It's just fucking weird. Um, But also personally, I've had my own issues with um, like mental health, with uh, addiction. So, you know, to hear someone, especially like a male come out on TV and say that is so important. I think that especially for men, um, there's so much toxic masculinity in society where they tell you to just push down all your problems and just, you know, keep going. And um for people like Moxley and Eddie Kingston to start talking about this shit publicly is, is absolutely amazing. So I loved it. Yeah. And I agree with you that if there's going to be any time in the world to discuss your demons and to be open and honest about them, uh, people like Mox who are like the personification of tough guy to come out and be raw and to be honest about that stuff. I think that that says a lot. I think it's very influential moving forward, especially especially in wrestling, where everyone wants to be like and like, combat oh, in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't see it that much in MMA, or at least I don't. And I I don't cover MMA extensively. Like I'm mostly a wrestling mm-hmm. guy, but like from what I see, there's not a ton of that conversation in MMA. It's uh, it's good to see someone kind of pick up the mantle for that and take that on. And I think one of the most badass thing that humans can do is get help and like recognize, like you know what. Things aren't going too great right now. So I'm going to talk to some professionals and figure this out. So for anyone to, you know, want an explanation or an apology or any of that is, um, I think, psychotic. It's not up to them. Yeah. It's not. I, I, um, I did. I I heard what Bully said. And Mm. I think a lot of people took what he said. I I don't want to say out of context because that's not that's not what this is. Um, I think a lot of people went by the headline and a lot of times what's said on a podcast 
is kind of lost in inflection. I think what Bully was offering was more of a, um, not a, not an I'm sorry I went away to to get myself clean and to get myself worked on. I think he meant it more as like, as a human, I'm sorry if I let you down. Um, like my actions leading into this let you down. That's how I kind of understood it. I didn't understand it as like Bully saying, no, you got to apologize because you messed up booking. I think it was more that Bully saw it as um, apologizing for being human, which sounds worse than it is. But like just apologizing for for the things that led to me needing to take the time off. And I think that like that's great and sure, whatever. But I think that if you need to like explain what you're trying to say, then you just probably shouldn't fucking say it. I, I agree. Like, you, don't you know what I mean? I, I'm yeah. not going to make excuses for bully, but that was the way that I heard it. And that's one of the reasons yeah. why I've kind of like on online and offline, just kind of stayed away from it. Cause I'm like, mm. people are going to feel the way they feel about those words. And I, and I fully understand it. It's completely in how you ingest it and how you interpret it. Um, but for me, I just, I interpreted it differently, especially knowing that bully and mocks were in the same locker room this past Saturday because they were yeah. both on the same show. It's entirely possible that they talked. It's entirely possible that they didn't. But regardless, like, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't the best thing for him to say. Um, but he probably knew that. He said it anyway. And Bully loves this stuff too, right? Like I oh, yeah. I was talking about this last night. Like wrestling kind of reminds me of rap, right? Where you have all these beefs and then people use each other's names to like get more hits on whatever platform they're on. So there's also some of that going on. And I didn't take his statement as like, he needs to apologize for being like an alcoholic or anything like that. I took it as like, he needs to apologize for his fans for going away. And that also is psychotic to me, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And it was actually interesting to kind of see, like I try and like keep very surface on Twitter, like especially with wrestling discourse, which is as we all know, just so toxic, but it, it, it was kind of reassuring to see that everyone kind of had the same consensus with that, where it's just like, yeah don't say that bro it's not even it's not even like oh like you're the worst person in the entire world for saying that it's just like come on man like why yeah why you got shit on his parade he just came back he's he's feeling good he's looking good people are happy and excited and like this is this is the way you want to start it like that that i agree there is a time and a place to to make some comments but like that probably wasn't it it's clout chasey kind of like i'm like why are you trying to like like get your name attached that it was weird but Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know, like you were talking about mental health and, uh, and like, we're talking about like picking up the mantle in, in wrestling and all that stuff. And it being such a macho space. And like, I think the last couple of years in wrestling, especially like it's really shined a more positive light on the need for mental health and the need to, to focus on that stuff. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm very open about my journey through therapy and like, I talk about it quite often. I don't think a lot of people do cause there's still a stigma there. And like, I don't know about you, but when I started in therapy, this was probably four years ago now. Therapy rules, by the way. So. It does. And I, I didn't think that way. It took me a long time. And it took a, a partner who uh, has her own journey going and pushed me, not pushed me, but like encouraged me to try it out. Uh, it took that to get me there. And I think a lot more people who are open about it are are starting to experience the the the, the, the goodness that comes from therapy. And I think that the pandemic accelerated that too, because, you know, a majority of humans are forced to be alone right now, depending on where you are, depending on what your job is. And everyone kind of had to reprioritize things and you're left with your thoughts, right? So um, mental health has always been important. It always should be important. And I and I hope that 
um, in wrestling, especially and in sports, like in all sports, people just start speaking up about it because it's just it's it's so normal to get help and it's so normal to not be okay. And um, the more that people talk about that, I think um, people will live longer and more meaningful and just better lives. And we'll probably also be able to have, we would have been able to have people that aren't necessarily with us anymore too. So really important stuff. I went in once upon a time to therapy um, thinking that it was only for people in crisis Mm -hmm. and I think I think that that is a common misconception or that like you're broken or fucked up. Yeah. And like the reality is we're all a little messed up. Like that's just the way it is. But I love I love it. Yeah. I embrace it now. That's the human nature. But what I was getting at was like you don't have to be in a point of crisis. For me, I realized very quickly that like I'm not in a bad space in my life. And at the time I wasn't when I started therapy either. But there are things that I felt I wanted to work on to get better about myself. And that is the journey there. You're not going to go in and just talk about, you know, you know, my the stereotypical, my mother, my father, they messed me up. Da, 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 da. If that comes out, that's part of your journey. But like if you're one week celebrating something that happened to you that's out of the ordinary, that's cool, too. Like therapy is not all, always about having these breakthroughs or having these ridiculous, you know, uh, like breakout moments where suddenly you realize everything's messed up and so am i um yeah there therapy's a good thing man get on it if you if and it's I for think, you it's for you i think everyone should do it and like especially for kids like i was talking about this with one of my friends who works um at CAMH, which for anyone outside of like america or canada it's like a mental health facility and he was saying that now there's just like so many kids that are like kind of self-diagnosing because of like tiktok and all these shows that kind of like glamorize um mental health. And I really hope that to your point, um, people just learn more about themselves and just skill building, you know what I mean? Yeah. And how to like work through problems like that will also be important too. So shout out to Moxley, shout out to Eddie Kingston, shout out to any athlete um, talking about um, addiction or mental health, you know? Yeah, it's a big thing, man. It's, uh, it's important. Um, speaking of important, and and pandemic and all this stuff, like, we kind of talked offline about women's wrestling and like where mm. what's going on. And like, you gave me your thoughts and I, I want you to kind of reiterate them and maybe we can talk a little bit about what's going on in the women's wrestling world. I know there are shows on this channel on Fightful Overbook that are going to focus more on wrestling for women or women's wrestling in general, but like you have some really cool thoughts and I, I, I want to maybe push back on a couple or at least like have this conversation. Cause that's what we're here for. We're just talking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think like what I was getting at before we, uh, went live or started recording is that you know women's wrestling has come a long way from you know brawn penny matches and uh all that kind of stuff but i think that right now um women are still kind of being used as a prop in wrestling. And I think that um, there's amazing talent in all promotions. I could name you five to 10 amazing women in each, each and every promotion right now, if not more. But I think that the problem lies more with management and bookings and how they're being um, presented and sold and packaged to the masses. Right. Um, It's very one note and it's very repetitious and to me personally it just kind of feels a little stuck right now and i think that another part of that 
isn't like progress or like some big conspiracy against women. I think that it's also the pandemic. I think that it's also, you know, people have like their own issues going on personally. Um, Everyone has their own ability. But I think that um, in 2022 and 2023, I just want to see more women wrestle. I want to see more belts on women. I want to see more women headlining events. I want to see more women, you know, doing crazier spots, getting better at promo, doing cinematics, just like, more women in wrestling, please. Just used more, I guess, is my beef. No, man, I agree with that, hundred percent. Yeah, and also just and pushing ways that are that are different. Like Impact did a, an Ultimate X match for the first time Ooh. with women, and it was so damn good. To the if you haven't seen like, that match, like stop watching this now and go run that back because yeah. it is unreal. Lady Frost is like my new hero right now. Isn't she great? Holy shit. Bro. And like, and Scott Demore was on a show and he was like, I took time off from impact wrestling, blah, blah, blah. When I came back, I was lobbied hard for this match to happen. And he's like, they haven't done it yet. He's like impact was known for having a deep women's roster for a long time. Oh yeah. And like for a little bit of time, it wasn't as important, but it was always there. So like stuff, when that type of innovation comes in, I'm a big fan of it. I'm also a big fan of like, if you're going to have more women's wrestling, uh, don't just give them the gimmick matches that the men did all the time. I want to see some match that is innovated by the women. Something exactly. that's like, I don't want I want to see something that was like their idea and that that later on, if the guys want, they can do it. You know, let let the women have first cracks at something because I think that would be really neat. Um, and, and I'll push back about women in places like AEW. I actually think the pandemic was the best thing to happen to women's wrestling in AEW. Because initially, a lot of the programming, a lot of the planning, a lot of the women's wrestling, they wanted to work primarily with Japanese talent. Mm. And as cool as that was, and as much of a spotlight as that would have shone on different promotions outside of the US, it still left women in North America in the dark on a major television platform like TNT, now TBS with AEW. And instead, they had to kind of move things around because of the pandemic. You couldn't bring in these women from Tokyo Joshi Pro or from Stardom or from any of the other outlying women's uh, wrestling companies in in Japan. Instead, you had to start bringing in these North American talent because guess what? They can hop in a car and drive to you, whether it's Florida or Georgia for a period of time, and actually become more prevalent on your TV and also it gives them the reps. It gives them television time. It gives them an opportunity to work cameras, work crowds, uh, and and like that. AEW was able to find a whole lot of talent that I don't think they would have understood they had under their nose without the pandemic coming into play. So that was probably the most positive thing that the pandemic played a role in when it comes to to AEW as a whole, even, I would, I, I would say. I mean, I totally agree that it allowed like tons of amazing like jobbers and mid cards to like, come into the fold, like your clink clangs and your uh, who else is amazing. Like female, like red velvet, red velvet. Yeah. But even all these um, like Joshi girls are amazing because what's going on now is Emi Sakura is now training a lot of the women in more of like a strong style, like Joshi kind of way. And you're seeing that with Chris and stuff. So I agree and disagree with you. I agree that it's good that they're bringing in more talent. People are making money. People are getting on TV. People are learning how to look at the hard cam, all that stuff. (laughs) Um, But I think that because they're kind of stacking the shelves with all this like kind of 
like mid card stuff, you can only do so much with it. So you have like a couple of stars, tons of mid card, and then like no jobbers. So it kind of like limits the women's division to like only do so much. And I'm not shitting on any of the matches because I think there's a lot of like cool things going on in AW right now with the women. Um, it's more of like pacing. It's more of like week over week performance and work rates. So like I'm really looking for, and that's why I personally love uh, Joshi uh, wrestling. Um, if you watch stardom, if you watch DDT, if you watch like anything from Japan, like it's like this, like, this is how they wrestle. Like it just doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah. And um you know, it's not easy to like become like a not green wrestler when to your point, you're driving state to state and wrestling in bingo halls and then you're at Universal Studios and then you're flying on a plane to wherever. So there's a lot of things going on. And and I think that we agree on most things. Um, I just really hope that women have more power in wrestling. You know what I mean? Yes. What happened to women like Gail Kim and Mickey James just taking it by the balls? You know what I mean? We need more of that. I think we're going to see that with someone like Serena Deeb. I yes. think Deeb, when she's ready to uh, kind of scale back her wrestling, I think she's going to spend a lot more time not just training, but also producing uh, other talent, male or female, because listen, at the end of the day, it's it's just wrestling. Like you're just putting matches together. Molly Holly is another good example of that. Molly Holly is working for WWE as a producer right now. So like, That's really cool. yeah, so like they're, there are women getting involved. Who knows what's going to happen with Lita because she's in the Royal Rumble this year and what happens afterwards. I hope they don't do Mickey dirty. I really hope I, they don't do Mickey dirty. I think they're going to treat her better than they have. I think this is a bit of a make good and I think that this is going to be uh, a little bit, a little bit of a bridging of the gap and, and just kind of smoothing things over, especially knowing that Mickey had like the best time after leaving WWE. Yeah. So like... Well, I- I uh, I saw that uh, Sean or someone at Fightful reported that the Iconics were supposed to be in the Rumble, and they pretty much were like, "Fuck you!" Like, are you yeah. kidding me? So, which is so which Sean, I would have done too. Yeah. So Fightful Selected reported first that the Iconics were the inspiration, as they're called now. They were offered a spot in uh, in the Royal Rumble, and they turned it down. Um, sure. You know what? Listen, if if they don't think it's their time to make a return like that, I get it. Mm. They'll probably be asked in a few years again and they'll probably say yes to it because that's just the way that's the way it goes in wrestling you sometimes it's just about taking a payday and getting a little bit more exposure out of that i didn't know one of the women from uh that duo was uh, married to sean spears either they're like the funniest yeah. couple on instagram yeah cassie is is married to uh to sean the chairman yeah yeah, yeah. great couple. noted noted chair pervert sean spears as we say on another show canadian chair pervert even better canadian noted chair pervert sean <laughs> spears uh but yeah like that's i think women's wrestling has um a lot of good going for it i think you're right that it has a long way to go i think we can both agree there uh there are other shows like i said on this channel that are going to tackle that stuff uh with and without us because we're not going to fix women's wrestling we're just going to talk about it you and i though as we as we wrap up you and i had a a fairly interesting disagreement about the tbs title match from rampage between Anna Jay and Jay Cargill. You, oh, no, I'll let you talk about how you felt. I'll tell you how I felt. Okay. Uh, I thought the match was one of Jade's better matches. So I, I thought, okay, good. I'm glad yeah. we can agree there. I think that there was, um, there was a lot of really good spots that came out of it. I thought that the work was, uh, considering the two in the ring, Anna Jay and Jay Cargill, was, was very positive. And I also thought that having Mark Sterling 
and John Silver at ringside enhanced the match instead of took away from the match. I know that there are moments that you're going to disagree with. Let me hear you. So Jade, this was her best match yet. She looked her best. She performed her best. No argument there. Um, Bringing in Mark, bringing in Mr. Hungy was great. I loved the bit where they kind of flexed at each other. That was just like amazing television. However, my gripe is with Anna Jay. Um, My gripe started with Anna Jay um, at the street fight. I'm very upset that she got the uh, pin. I'm very upset that she's now kind of doing this like, I'm dark, kind of like Alexa Bliss kind of thing. Um, And I just find her wrestling like, I'm not going to say bad because that's so subjective, but I just think that like, she doesn't seem like she's there. Like she seems like she's bored when she's in the ring. And especially with her kicks, like they're just some of the most unbelievable spots I've ever seen. And um, I really try and look at each individual wrestler from like different angles. Like some, like someone like Jade, not good at promo, not good at wrestling, but she has an amazing look and charisma and she's getting better week over week. Like I get what they're doing with her. I personally don't get what the company is doing with Anna Jay. I don't see a belt on her ever. I don't see her winning a tag belt ever. So I don't really know other than being like the pretty Southern wrestler girl, like what is the point of her being there? Okay. I, I hear what you're saying there. Uh, there are things that I agree with and disagree with. I think with her, um, her facials, I think you're right. Sometimes they are leaving something to be desired. There was the finish in that match where Jade goes for Jaded and she lifts up Anna Jay and Anna either looks bored or is trying to make it look like she's been knocked out by the choke breaker, the the slam that happened before leading into the Jaded. So I agree with you there that, and I I've nitpicked that before. Um, I agree with you there. The kicks, what I liked in this particular match was that the kicks weren't supposed to be to the head. And Jade was smart enough to sell them as if the kicks were going to her shoulder and her neck. And that was something that I think played well together in the match itself, letting these two kind of understand the chemistry that they have and the way that they're trying to work. And that that I appreciated. I just think that she kicks the way that like I kick my dog when he's like bugging me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like so kind like, of like light a, and careful. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, she has like an incredible look and she can obviously like run the ropes and like do all the basics and stuff. But I'm just like, I'm waiting. I love being proven wrong about wrestlers. This is one of the main reasons why I really like wrestling. And a good example of that is uh, Daniel Garcia. At first I was like, who is this fucking douchebag? But then I realized kind of like what his character was and that he's like so young and, you know, and like now I love him. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting with Anna Jay and I just don't get it. Why is she in the dark order? Like what, like, I just don't get anything about that character. And I think she's probably a lovely person, but uh, I want to be proven wrong this year. I agree. And I think part of the, um, part of the loss with Anna Jay was that she was brought into dark order primarily by Brody Lee. And mm. Brody had uh, an image of how she would, you know, how she would be in dark order in his head. And unfortunately, since he passed, uh, Dark Order itself kind of got lost a little bit. They suddenly became a very different actor, at least reverted back to a more comedy act that didn't have a lot going for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Anna, yeah, I think Anna suffers from that because there 
there was an idea in Brody's head that I don't think was ever fully fleshed out. Because TJ makes sense. Like, TJ yep. makes total sense. And I think that they could do something there as well. But I think that, I don't know if it's like EVPs or management, like, they just, they're trying to work it out, which is weird because then you have someone like Julia Hart, who is so green, but she graduated top of her class from Nightmare Factory and she's killing it. And she doesn't even wrestle, really. Yeah, exactly. Like, she she has a, a good, like, she has the facials and she has yeah. the abilities right now. So how do you I agree. position yourself, uh, like, as a wrestler? Not, and I don't mean, like, physically. I mean, like, with, like, all your skills, like, what you bring to it, like, as a whole, right? Yeah. And I love drag queens, too, right? So I kind of, like, it's it's kind of like a drag theater element as well, right? And with Anna, I'm just like, please do something. <laughs> I think we've made it to the end of our first grappy hour. I think we did it. We didn't even tell people. Well, I mean, listen, we're not we're not drinking anything today, but I think we both agreed off the air that if we picked a drink that best represented our week in wrestling and what we're talking about, it would be a PBR. Yeah, and you'd have to open it with barbed wire or just smash it on your head. Oh my god, yes, that would make a huge mess. I don't know if my equipment could do it, but let's do that. <laughs> uh, moving forward, I, I think we're gonna keep on doing this, and we're gonna keep on talking about wrestling. We don't have a format; we're just two friends chatting about wrestling at the bar. But the bar is just hanging out, man. Yeah, we're just hanging out. We'll have a drink in the in the future, and we'll talk about that drink and what it means to us in wrestling. We couldn't get a drink today because, quite frankly, it's snowing and it's gross outside. So why do that? Uh, Lily, tell people. It's also one p.m. So oh, oh well, yeah. I mean, listen, it's five p.m. If they're watching live. Wink, wink. <laughs> Lily, where can they find you on the internet? Um, you can find me here at Lily Z on Twitter. I also run a website called strangecomforts.com and sometimes I write for Fightful. There we go. It's Fightful Overbooked, youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. Drop us a thumbs up here. Comment. Maybe you like the show. Maybe you didn't. Guess what? It's subjective, so I don't really care anyway. I'm at Joel Ferrell, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. We'll see you in the next video. Cheers, folks. <laughs>